endemic phase. That is the so-called promised land after two years of battle with COVID-19. Even as our nation is entering into endemic transitional phase on 1st of April 2022, there is still a large portion of the public who felt that the decision was reckless, if not dangerous. Which brings us to the question, to what degree have the general public's thinking, mindset and emotion been shaped by the pandemic messaging made and promoted by the government and the media? Why have some remained so fearful of the steps going forward? Why has anger been directed at the people who want to move on and transition into the phase of life goes on? Should people not be allowed to choose their own path of happiness? We have seen time and time again the authorities shifting and changing their positions. And does this not prove that the pandemic is a fluid matter and scientific discourse, debate and even disagreement should be allowed? Joining us today is Dr. Roland Victor, a well-known doctor and social media influencer who is a strong advocate for preventive medicine as well as individuals being personally responsible for their own health. We will discuss these issues and many more. Okay, a very good day to you, Dr. Roland Victor. So, welcome you to our show today. Thank you. The event which allowed me to get to know you was through your social media work. And also, initially, I saw your open scientific letter to Prime Minister when our current Prime Minister was just appointed. And I saw your name. And later on, I discovered your platform and a lot of discussion on medical freedoms and personal responsibilities. Now, I must say that it had been a breath of fresh air because, frankly, your kind of messaging is very aligned to what we do here. And yet, I find it so difficult to find such messages around Malaysia. So, to begin with, why do you think this kind of messaging is so uncommon? I'm talking about, you know, choices, be responsible for your own health. It's not out there, basically. Thanks for having me, first of all, here at the show. When we look into medical practice, we've always seen, or the system itself is designed of there is disease and then treat. Mm-hmm. And from our perspective of the KL Sky Clinic, when initially when we first started, yep. is to focus on preventive medicine. Yep. So preventive medicine is always looking into like what you could improve yourself better mm-hmm. from lifestyle to food, environment, to reduce a health burden or a health crisis yep. which you can face immediately or perhaps mm-hmm. in the future. So when we look into this perspective, that freedom of understanding the truth of medicine yep. has deviated a lot where medicine has very much focused on the dependency of drug management. Yeah, it's always like there's a disease, here you go, mm-hmm. a prescription, eat this, Here's a treatment. and you can control. <laughs> or you need a surgery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So when we saw whatever was going on at this current past 24 months, yep. we realized that that aspect of medicine was absolutely lacking. Mm-hmm. And as we were doing contents for over the years, 
it becomes very compelling that look we have to tell the public like these are things they can actually do to actually prevent mm. even to the point when there was no vaccine in fact that that's yeah mm-hmm. there's ways to prevent you getting into a higher risk position or higher category position infection during the pandemic so it was then that we realized that look we had to stand up mm-hmm. again that uh, you say like yes maybe we have already a decent audience to begin yeah, with yeah. because we've been doing online content since the get go of our practice mm. that's like 2000, way before the 2014 mm. yeah so you will already have a certain audience but when something like crisis happens mm-hmm. people will then go out there in search like who do we look for for answers can we trust yeah. all the answers and that is mm-hmm. when you start looking and finding is there anyone who's having a balanced narrative we mm. we, we want to hear that because sometimes you don't want the the populist narrative yeah, yeah. so much because there is always an agenda behind the populist yeah. uh, a, a narrative so people start looking into options mm-hmm. who do you listen to what's the perspective so sometimes it can go right sometimes yeah. it can go wrong <laughs> yeah I, i like what you say about balanced perspective because it seems not only for malaysia but all around the world we are losing that balance we are losing that perspective people either go the establishment way or they go the conspiracy theory way you know yeah. it's like just very out of balance but one of the things that recently I've been reading now of course is now even in mainstream media now so one columnist he wrote about the unholy trinity he talked about lockdowns vaccines and boosters and how all three have failed to live up to their expectation you know earlier on we were just talking how the authorities seem to promote these things as the BONO kind of solution And so now even mainstream media like New York Times are saying the same thing. Now, my question to you is this, and it might be a bit controversial when people started to question vaccine and a lot of time it has been dismissed. And that dismissal come with a large support from the medical community. Now, I know there are doctors like yourself who are very different, but I'm talking in general, you know, elite organization, medical journal WHO. So here's a question. In your view, to what extent have the medical community, what kind of role have they played in terms of causing an overpromise of the efficacy of vaccines, the effectiveness of lockdown and booster? I think absolutely, this is an overkill mm. by the medical fraternity or the system itself, because we have to now go back to the fabric of the system. Mm-hmm. So, one goes into university, medical school. Goes into a government operation system to be an intern, comes out like a medical officer, then specialist. You then belong to a certain fellowship and etc. And then the whole training the process. Whole, the whole process. Mm. So, when there's a lot of fraternities and faculties mm. involved, it also coincides with a lot with governance of bigger bodies, global fellowships. Yeah. So if you are sort of against the fellowship, <laughs> anti-establishment. Exactly. <laughs> So once you are going against the narrative mm. of the fellowship, you become the black sheep. Mm. And some of them, this whole journey has taken maybe 40 years mm-hmm. of their career, of their life. Yeah, it's almost like telling a cardiologist that you know we have enough of evidence to show that cholesterol is not <laughs> cause heart problems. Yeah, there will And be a scandal. <laughs> yeah, you prescribing statins are not. Getting the effect that we really mm. wanted. 
they might just turn around and just use a simple statement and say like, look, I'm the cardiologist, not you. Yeah, it yeah. always happens in our mm. field. I'm the doctor, listen to me. And this is the problem. This has been the problem that now will open a big can of worms mm-hmm. that people are losing trust of the system because 12 months ago, yep. anybody was talking about natural immunity. Any medical individual who was raising caution, mm-hmm. not against any form of medical technology, be it vaccine yep. or whatever it is, injectables or medications, you were against the system. Yeah, it's like you are the carrier of misinformation. Exactly. So many of us were blocked, mm. were cautioned, were flagged down by so many kinds of social media. Mm-hmm. Not just social media, mainstream media, you can even get abused and this happens. But 12 months down the line, mm-hmm. maybe I expected it to be even longer. Yeah. The whole narrative is almost destroyed, as you say. Yeah. So these are the things that we see like, hey, how can and how could this happen? How come all these opportunities, fellowships, mm-hmm. big organizations who've got enough of research, not seeing this yep, and yep. expecting mediocre medical officers? I would say mm. maybe I'm just a mediocre. It's like a one-man sh- operation. <laughs> It's like Rambo going out there in Afghanistan against the whole army. The whole army. Then happens like whatever these guys have been preaching is the right one. Yeah. So yep. so it's it, it's very funny if you look at just a week ago. The CDC was referring to CNN <laughs> for information. As you know, the CDC has more than 3,000 over staff, mm-hmm. scientists, papers, access to government grants, fundings to actually get the science absolutely right at that yep. point. But when they were deciding on media narrative from mm-hmm. CNN, uh, that's when they start really seeing that the credibility is really compromised, but yet they can even still smile and smirk. Yeah. On the impact, whether it's medical, economic, yeah, political, mental, social, everything. Yeah, Doctor Rola, I know you have a interest in terms of the Russian and Ukraine, the issue that is happening right now because you studied in Russia before. But one of the very interesting <coughs> thing about CDC, since we are on this topic, was just right after the war, CDC just suddenly announced. You know, they have their own analytics to kind of analyze the impact. The severity of the pandemic in US, and overnight it changed from very severe to moderate. Yes, you know I, the whole I map know, just I changed from red to yellow color, and they even came out and gave an explanation and say, "Oh, it's because the way we input the data has changed." <laughs> so it just reminds me, you know, we always joke right in Malaysia, like if this year our government wants 95% passing rate in SPM, they will just stop the grades. <laughs> they will just do something, and you get that result. So it seems like CDC is doing the same thing, and that's not science. That's politics. Yes, exactly. We see this kind of practice, play by risk, kind of practice being practiced not just in the CDC, mm-hmm. almost everywhere around the globe. I'll give you an example about the NHS, who mm-hmm. had almost close to a hundred thousand staff, yep. saying that look, we will not get vaccinated mm. by first of April. And at first, I think early of December, January. Even the Secretary of Health in UK yep. was questioned by some top specialists, yep. point blank, and they knew that having hundred thousand medical staff, they can't cope. It's not realistic. Cope. for They them. will crash their own system. Mm-hmm. And what happened is they just eased it. Nope, 
they just changed the game and said, oh, now it's Omicron. <laughs> I think the whole game is different. Not so severe anymore. Not so severe anymore, exactly. And we will not impose such restrictions. But see, when they announce a harsh penalty, mm-hmm. that will be always amplified in the news. Yep, yep. But whenever a public department goes on the reverse, yep, yep. it will always be so silent that it just almost just disappears in smoke. Yeah, it, it is very <coughs> true. It's like when you have bad news, people kind of hang on to that. Then when you are doing some ratifications, then people don't remember that. And this reminds me of a special report by Malaysia Guinea, I think last year. Mm. And they were doing a one-year study on Hong Kong protests. And they were actually studying the local Chinese media in Malaysia. And they say that at the beginning of protests, there was allegation that US helped with the protests. But that happened to be a fake news. So much later on, they issue retractions, they issue corrections, but they study the media response and most people, they only remember the bad news. They never bother with the ratification or correction. So are we seeing the same thing in terms of pandemic development because the authorities shifted their positions so often. You know, they kept changing and people kind of still hang on to the original position. Like in Malaysia, so many people still look at the numbers, daily numbers, and they are like quaking and they are trembling. It's like almost like a divide in a society, almost. Yep. So when we look at fear content, <laughs> the fear content always bites everyone. Yep. Uh, whether what's going to happen next. But when there is no fear, it's sort of less important. So even if you see how every news is broadcasted, it's always the show of war, Accidents. Mm. Oh, the we, bad news. Yeah, we don't elaborate or deliberate on successful mm. events or Correct. new technological funding. We do not see that. Even our news is just it's pure advertisement and it's just fear. Mm. It's just one person is thrown on a bribe scandal or it's death or it's accident or flood or one explosion somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's all we get in the news. It doesn't feed our happiness actually. Mm. It actually just feeds our fear for the whole thing. You feel like the whole world is just full of crap. Yeah, yeah, and it's... And he plays it out mind. Yeah, it's like the media, they discover that fear is a greater motivator, especially, I think, in Asia, in Malaysia, that so many people can be pushed to a certain response based yeah. on fear. So even when you see in terms of fear that the way, whatever rollout, vaccination, mm. it's always fear of whether you get infected. Some people were concerned about, at the start, if I take the vaccine... Mm-hmm. I will be protected and you won't get. As a practitioner, as a scientist, we understand that virus exposure can always happen. Mm. It's all about based on going down to the antibodies yeah, and yeah. how your body reacts to it, our innate and uh, adaptive antibody system, how it responds to it. That was an absolute bluff. Mm. We knew it. Yeah. There's nothing to hide. But if practitioners were living in denial and telling mm. people like, no, we don't have to know about all of this. Just take, just take, just take. And then... Six months down the line, like, oh, you know what? We did not know about waning immunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How can we do not know about <laughs> waning immunity when first trials were done back in June, July 2020 itself? Yep, yep. They needed less than 72 hours to develop the vaccine. Correct. And then just create the protocol and roll it out. And then wouldn't we establish a follow-up like six months? What was the antibody titus mm-hmm. for these 20 or 30,000 people who have taken the vaccines and everything? I mean, this is like clear-cut operation if you were to launch a product. Mm. But we didn't see that. We didn't see that coming at all. Then you feel that, oh, take another shot. 
Yeah. Then take another one maybe in the future. Or right. your kids, how come there was no kids infected that time? But only now, suddenly there's so many kids infected. <laughs> That's very interesting. And the virus that has already changed to be way mellow than its predecessors and everything. And they're still rolling out vaccine which was based on the original Wuhan protein. Exactly, exactly. And it's like the product is already outdated. It's almost like it's buying an uh, outdated antivirus and installing into your computer <laughs> and saying that, well, this is going to protect us. It's interesting you talk about how all the policies are linked with the rollout of the product because even today, I was just looking at the news, even with us moving into supposedly endemic transitional period, our health minister is still talking about uh, go and give the vaccine to your kids and obviously it's because they are not sufficient takers and you know, remember that there was a case of a boy who passed on 13 years old and now they came back and say it's not related to vaccine. But you can't help but feel that all these kind of news cause people to have vaccine hesitancy. Exactly. So I think, again, the issue is one with the choice. Mm. I mean, in medicine, it's always body autonomy. Yeah, it's yeah. your choice to whatever a physician can prescribe. Something you strongly believe in. Right? Yeah, exactly. We can always suggest the patient, you can do this treatment, you can take this medication or you can take five hypertensive medications to mm. really bring it down or the patient will tell you, look, I want to take three. Can yeah. or not? Mm. We will have to tell them, yes, can. But if you take five, it will work better. Yeah, yeah. But the patient says, no, I want to try three. That's the patient's mm. right. And then from then, we can guide the patient. See, we've already decreased it by 20, 30 units. Yeah. We need to hit another 10 more. The only way to do that is for us to increase the dose or maybe change your lifestyle. Okay, the patient say, look, doc, give me two months. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to lose weight. Mm. Should we give them the allowance? Yes, this is your right yeah. to give them the allowance. But at the same time, you also must tell them this. You see, in your position, if you do any excessive workout, you can collapse and even have yeah. a heart attack. So that position, we still have to give the patient. So give the professional opinion, but at the same time, allowing yeah. patients to determine their own choice. choice. I mean, medicine is built on that fundamental. Yeah, I mean, since we are on this, and one of the things I've been hearing you constantly discussing on your platform is really the issue of consent. Yes. Because I think medical freedom and consent, they work hand in hand. And as a lawyer myself, I understand how important it is. We need to get the instructions from client. We can't just do our own thing. So we consent. Now let's talk about COVID-19 vaccine here because it seems the process of obtaining genuine consent is not properly done, okay? And by that, I mean when people ask, should I take the vaccine? The general message is, oh, don't worry. Nothing will happen. It's okay. Your father, your mother, your whole kampong is taking the vaccine. So nothing will happen to you. Then if you ask too many questions, you are treated as a conspiracy theory pest. Now, can you walk us through the consent process as you see in Malaysia and why do you think it is problematic? If we were to look into the whole consent process globally, mm -hmm. there is a clear-cut misinformation, withholdment of mm -hmm. information. Because the propaganda is now coming from the mainstream media. Yep. I repeat that the propaganda is coming from the mainstream yep. media. Agree. Where whole primetime radio, TV, internet... They say the same thing. The same thing. Mm. So it's like you are being like building, it's absolutely safe. Okay, fine. If there was an adverse reaction or EFI, even it happened between mm. 1 in 10 million 
or one in one million people. That means there is going to be in our country 30 people being affected. Yeah. Whether they have a neurological issue or they collapsed, that is the issue. Mm-hmm. If I was the minister of health, I will still roll out the vaccine. But the option is always to provide the public the option of choice. Yeah. Look, we're going to put everything on the table. You can read. I will not hide it from you. I will not mm-hmm. hide any form of information because this product is still under provisional registration. Yeah, yeah. And we as the ministry cannot give you any guarantee of any product will work 100%. Same as if you go for a surgery. The doctor will still tell you there is still certain chances some things can yeah. happen. And you take the risk. Benefit prevails in that position. So here we know we have a transmission community yep. where people will still develop some form of antibodies. Correct. Mm. Natural immunity will still take place. But we need to try who was on the highest risk. Mm. Whether it's going to be the, the elderly, their immunity will be not so significantly strong as compared to younger adults. Of yep. course, there will be certain form of deaths. Mm. But are we okay with that? Yep. At the same yep. time, we will still see individuals who took the vaccine and developed some form of side effects. Yeah. But you see, at the moment, when the choice is given to the public, and say, look, this is the option. We have the vaccines ready for you. And if you don't want to take the vaccine, if you get infected, we still have other form of mechanisms mm. in form of boosting up your immunity, yep, yep. keeping hospitals ready, having sufficient amount of ventilators ready, and etc. Whether the hospitals are full or not full, that is a different scenario. Mm. It can be very full, it cannot be very full. So this option is still there. Of course, we want to make sure that this buffer is kept low. Yeah. But what we failed to realize on the first year itself is there was poor emphasis on any form of health awareness, making mm. sure that parents who are locked down at home, elderly people, were they taking their medications on time? Yeah. Were they taking their hypertensive medications? Was their sugar in control? Mm. Was their blood pressure in control? Was their weight in control? Yeah. We never did that because we already knew who was dying. Mm. Yeah, it's that category. Yeah, high we already know it. High risk. Mm. Who's high risk? You've got hypertension, diabetes, mm. obesity, heart problem, very old of age. Or maybe you have a mm. certain immunity issue. You were high risk. What can we do to this community? What can minimize the risk? Get yep. them to lose weight, provide them, make sure their sugars are in check, get their kids at home mm-hmm. to help monitor for us. Now with the mycetra being more developed, it's much more easier. But at, at the start, it's all about scanning, 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 yep. and that's it. That's about it. Just contact tracing. Mm-hmm. But contact tracing means nothing compared to that because the main issue was mortality. Yeah, many people were dying and whether our hospitals could cope with it. Mm. So the only way to do that is to actually have a public health system that actually look at the whole umbrella, not just like one-pronged management that mm. roll the vaccine out, roll the vaccine out. You can roll the vaccine out, but we knew there was reinfection. We knew that the virus would evolve yep. and maybe become more lethal like Delta. And then, thankfully, there's now Omicron. Mm-hmm. But these were the things that we didn't see. We didn't see, and we've been chanting this mantra, get the vitamin D up, get mm. this up. There's enough evidence for this. Why are we waiting? What are y'all to lose to do that? What were y'all losing if we were broadcasting in public for those people who are elderly of age? 
get your kids at home check their blood pressure if high mm. make sure bring them to the clinic we have to control we have to taper this down so that if you get infected you are in a better position for us yeah to manage in the hospital not having blood pressures off the mm. chart the sugar is already busted and then they can easily get infected and because the immunity becomes already compromised at that yeah. position total rolling what i'm hearing is really a holistic approach and a clearer kind of outlining here's the risk and here's what we need to do i, I don't believe it's actually holistic i actually think it's military <laughs> the military approach actually but what we have been hearing is not this yes. we have been hearing a very narrow approach we were never told that the risk changes so drastically as the age goes up as you have you know a high blood pressure diabetes i mean those are mentioned but it's not highlighted as much as go and get the vaccine go and get the vaccine yep. go and get the vaccine so we knew already that it was the elderly high risk group and yet because of the hospitalization eventually all these people they are non covid health concerns yep. was also neglected and that probably contributed yeah, to and, mortality and then add on with the lockdowns mm-hmm. older people they don't go far so much most likely in their townhood or yep. in the taman mm-hmm. and maybe some form of exercise and maybe to the shop and back but they didn't even get the chance to go out of it yep. even for some sunlight and things so they can be much more depressed because they're really trapped cold at home now we're seeing more and more <laughs> studies coming out just basically in-depth study that show lockdowns Didn't basically work. don't work at yep. all I think one of the big studies from one of the top universities in US I'm not too sure whether it's from Stanford mm. or Howard they said the impact of lockdown was only 0.2% and <laughs> I actually said that way back in February 2021 I said that look we cannot go for 2.0 yeah it doesn't make any scientific judgment make any medical judgment because the impact is going to be so great yeah we must allow to understand that who are we saving and who mm. are we killing because of a lockdown yeah. not because of a public health concern to the lockdown at now we see it's like 0.2 impact how much of impact it has caused mentally to yeah. kids who didn't Correct. get to go to playgrounds to adults young adults who have lost job occupation opportunities students didn't get to go to school all of this and of course if you want to look at the impact we want to save one who is 80 years old Yeah. Uh, we have to be realistic in who we saving mm-hmm. also sometimes who needs end of life care and who needs nursing at early life care yeah now you know i don't want to say as a conflict of interest but you know early on we just talking about how certain practice you know their main income comes from the vaccines and we talk about there's a military weaponization complex where the big yeah. pharma yeah. medical complex So I mean when you are in that industry and you push for the product I don't blame you but on the other hand we talk about the tribe mentality you know the entire medical industry is saying that this is the way and I have personally known a lot of doctors who adopted this kind of position because they are saying oh the medical association is like this my hospital administration say like this so I have to follow comply do you feel that this is due to the training the training I of think, I think doctors the, the training has always been do not question mm. do not question or you will be embarrassed among all your peers i think we were just one of the few hundreds or thousands of us who said no and dr rolan i know you are 
very much interested in the political realm also. See, my wife is also a doctor and yep. we always joke eh, and we say that doctors are the most compliant. Yep. I mean, even historically, doctors are the one most likely to join government political party. Nothing against that, but it shows the nature, the compliance, and those who have independent thinking are the rare ones, like yourself. Yeah, the <laughs> Have you always been like this since the beginning? or? I think I've always been like this. From the get-go, I saw like, look, there's something wrong with the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I stay in the system, mm-hmm. I will also become one. I might lead the, <laughs> the system. Can you imagine? Yeah. So resistance is the one. When you join the system and you do not rock the boat, you just take orders, you climb the hierarchy. Mm. And you look towards retirement at a very high position, a high rank officer and stuff. Yeah. Maybe at one point of my career in public service, it was like that. Mm. I was already headhunted already. Mm. And I was already there. I was having those comfy chairs already. But I said, <laughs> like, look, yeah. it's not right. Mm. And in order to change in the system, system has hierarchies. Mm. So that is where I realized that when you are in the system for 40 years or yep. maybe 30 years, you already have a specialist or super specialist career. Going and, and fighting the system is not worth it for you. There's no value for career, yep. worse still value for money. Now, one of the doctors who was in the Great Barrington Declaration mm. Group, I think he's a Swedish doctor, and he was just saying that because of all these overbearing tactic coercion, he foresee that there might be a split in the medical community. There will be those who are independent thinking and will want to come out, maybe new journals. I, I know it's like a huge mountain to climb. And even right now with Ukraine and Russia, you know, Visa... Mastercard yep. is cancelling. I imagine China will be like, this is such a great time for union pay to take over. So yep. do you foresee something like this in the medical pharma complex? You know, any uh, alternative? I think medicine itself is a big component of life. Whether whichever block you are, there are big pharma players, mm. micro pharma players, small players everywhere around the world. And the chunk is very, very big. And some can be very nationalist. Mm-hmm. For example, like look who gets contracts and tenders yep. in certain countries. You can mm. see those patterns. It has to go through that whole system. Yeah, It's lobbying and everything. Mm. So that's why the parliament has lobbied because the lobbies <laughs> are all sitting there. Okay, it's, it's the truth. That's why in America, in the capital, there is the lobbies. And they have immunity. Mm-hmm. If you were to look at that, I think probably it would take a few hours. We have to see the way the structure is. If you were to look at medicine itself, for a science of medicine, modern medicine, mm-hmm. there's so much of X governing. Yep. For example, here, we have Medical Act, we have Pharmaceutical Act, we've yep. got Drug Act, we've got Poison Act, we have the Acta 342, mm, correct. the Infections, we got Optical Act, so many Act. Yep. But if you were to ask, like, for engineering, how many Acts we got? <laughs> for legal, how many Acts we got? So we realize that this industry mm-hmm. is so governed, yep. the more rules there is for one industry like this, mm-hmm. that means there's a lot of hanky-panky can be done. With this. So yep. It has to be governed in such manner. So if you look at the position of education of medicine, yep. it's designed in the position of, let's sell more drugs. <laughs> so I got to educate people in medical school to be inclined towards the treatment, interventions, prescription. Mm. Because that's how. Because if not, these schools, this paternity, 
will not get the funding. So the whole training is geared towards yeah. sell more so, drugs. So when we see even in this whole pandemic, different countries and different blocks mm-hmm. have a different approach. Even though some of them are really huge countries, but mm-hmm. the approach is not the same everywhere. Yeah. Africa has only received 10% of the vaccination globally, but we do not see in any clips shown on TV, the hospitals in Africa is, is <laughs> full. Yeah. Or death is like everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's like Latin America. I mean, there were high cases, but did we see that, that drama that we saw like in Wuhan, like people are dropping dead? Or did we see like the cases that were bombarded like in Italy, the yeah. early stages? So why was that drama? If maybe in the next few years we will see like how many ventilators were manufactured in this past two years? <laughs> I, mean, I would really want to see this kind of data. How many ventilators? How many countries have stockpile of ventilators? or whatever ICU mm. beds, equipment, what was the trajectory of sale of these kind of items in these past two years. Then we can actually see whether the whole show that we watch on mainstream mm-hmm. was actually a drama or reality. <laughs> and that's why, you know, so many nations are entering the endemic stage. You know, I just kept wondering, will there be full accounting of what has happened the last two years? I mean, I'm talking about the cost of lockdown, the cost of not introducing treatment. I mean, even in Malaysia, there is not a lot of discussion on treatment. It's all vaccine. And, you know, what about the adverse effect? All those things, you know, do you, do you think it will eventually come out? you got to open a lot of jails then. Because <laughs> this will be, for me, an absolute act of treason. Mm. Where, technically, in Malaysia, you're not like the king and country. In that kind of place. You're harming your nation. Yeah. I mean, you could read the signs. If you were the experts, you were the ones hailed to be yep. the ones to call the shot for your country. Yep. If you made that wrong decision and pretended... Yeah, that, that's the thing, the intent. Yeah, to close a blind eye and still hold on to your post because that was the narrative that you had and you just say, like, look, I just took orders. Mm. Yang saya menurut perintah, like that thing. And with a profession like medicine, thing, the trust is lost. And there's a thing, you know, in civil service, even doctors, when they sign yes. the letter, yeah, you know, I always say, look, if you do something when you don't have the data, it is one thing. But when the information is available and you still do it, that's deliberate harming of people. That's exactly. like what you say, treason. And it's actually very serious. Just looking into the Nazi doctors mm-hmm. back in World War II when they used a lot of chemicals. Yeah gases and everything, performing sort of like a genocide. And they said, look, we just took orders. <laughs> they couldn't have not known yep. it will kill. So it's the same like some people couldn't have not known the lockdown will cause this kind of effect. It was there. It's obvious. It's just there. Yep. Just whether we chose not to see it. Or forcing people to take vaccine yes. or you lose your job. They couldn't have not seen the effect that you have on the community. So it's very clever if you see that because you go out into a house of commons mm. or the parliament and say, look, we're not forcing you <laughs> to take. It's individual choice. But then through an industry, whether it's restaurants, you impose that in order for X and Y enterprise, X and Y Sundan Berhad, yep. to operate, you need to have 80% of yeah. the staff vaccinated. So these staff are individuals. And there you have 
a ministry mm-hmm. who issued out and said, oh, this is not by force. So how the business operate? Yeah. It was done everywhere. Yeah. In US, UK, the whole world, the whole yeah. world did that. So they said, you cannot force it because under a lot of constitutional rights globally, mm-hmm. you cannot force that. But we could force a business. Yeah. Because the business it was not an individual entity. Mm-hmm. So it was a trick. So whether it was construction, whether it was restaurants, eating outlets, security, you have to take because you needed to protect. But then in just a couple of months, the science came out. Like, yeah. I mean, in some ways, Malaysia is not as bad in terms of private sector mandate. But let me ask you, were you surprised by the sudden decisions in UK to remove mandate? Yep. That was quite sudden, right? Yeah, because I think they were so politically challenged <laughs> at, at Bojo's so position. He needed to save himself. <laughs> yes, that is the opportunity to be taken. But yet again, when it comes to UK, mm. if you just looked and watched the English Premier League, yep. you realise that they had a very decent amount of flexibilities. Mm. See, at least that position of uh, public healthcare is still something that I would say it was still very clever because for one to actually access a stadium, mm-hmm. A, you can be fully vaccinated yep. and B, you can do a rapid testing before the match. 48 hours before mm. the match and if you were negative, you were actually allowed and there was no force mandate of mask given that time. Mm-hmm. See, mask is a choice of recommendation. Yep. If you are not having any symptoms, don't have to mask. Because you see, on the road, maybe outside here, if you were going to the park... <laughs> for a walk. <laughs> for a walk. By yourself. You don't have to mask. If I was running on the road, if I was cycling on the road, I don't have to mask. But if I was driving a motorbike, I have to mask. Mm-hmm. So... This is where I would ask, like, hey, public health, where is the science? Mm. What is the science you want to prove? If, if either you mask everybody or you don't mask, yeah. or those who actually have symptoms, with just kind respect, you don't want to cough in front of people all the time like yeah. that. Correct. And just wear a mask. Just mm-hmm. like how we treat patients who got TB. If, if I was a physician who was going to the, the TB, what I'm going to wear a mask. Because yeah. I know the risk factor that if I'm a physician, mm. so... I will wear a mask and go to the TB unit. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm seeing a patient who's on TB recovery, I would do that. So some common sense needed. Yeah. And if you think about it, we were doing surgery all these years wearing one single ply of mask. <laughs> Today you have like individuals who call themselves surgeons wearing two masks, face shield and giving a press statement with the audience. <laughs> is, uh, so far away. <laughs> yeah, five or six meters away. So that itself is such an embarrassment. Because it doesn't practice any form of science, just throwing that, do what we tell you. Talking about science, <coughs> and in the early days in Europe, I remember early days they were saying that if you were infected with COVID, then that is good enough vaccine passport for six months. Yes. And then later, I think they drop it because of the need to push vaccines. And that's why we have the Novak Djokovic uh, saga. And, you know, even Euro 2020, yes. there was no requirement for vaccination. No. And... So it seems like the Europeans, maybe it's the money in the football, you know, are they affected by what they may lose in terms of revenue? I don't think maybe if you're looking at that position, I kind of see whatever happened is happening like maybe in Ukraine and Russia at the moment. Mm. is just like an the aftermath of what happened the past two years. Mm-hmm. Because from the get-go, there was a lot of blame into Wuhan. Yeah. Just before the trade was the trade deal yeah, yeah. could settle. Then suddenly, the direction straight away pushed to Wuhan. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, 
one of very interesting peer-reviewed paper coming out from Italy. Yep. They did take samples mm-hmm. of lung tissue and saliva samples, which they actually kept on patients, I think, for oncology, I think one of the research yep. centers, and they cultured the samples. Not from the cough, I mean from the, from the, from sample the, from the samples. Okay. Huh? This is 2019, September, around, mm-hmm. and they actually found the virus. Uh, immunoglobulins. Mm-hmm. So they found IgM and everything. So now they are saying that, look, did it actually originate elsewhere? <laughs> elsewhere. And you see, these kind of information, even though peer review does not get any form of media attention, mm-hmm. play down, play down. So and when we look into the vaccine, there was such a push towards mRNA technology, yep. viral vector platform, as compared to also significantly scientifically well-equipped countries like China, mm-hmm. India, Russia, who said like, look, we're not going to go in this direction. Yeah, yeah. We know there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're not going to use this kind of platform. There is a clear block war, mm-hmm. whether how the vaccines were rolled out. And of course, we have like other small countries, growing nations like Southeast Asia, and thing, who will also have to pick a side. Yeah. Either oh. we take everything, <laughs> yeah, so we just take everything. Everybody gives us free, we take. Then you have a different kind of complex position. So mm-hmm. if you see like the West, there were even times like if you have Sinovac vaccine, you couldn't enter into Europe even for a business trip. So how do you go about this? And the WHO just kept mum and saying that, look, we will put the food down. Mm-hmm. Can we call the shots globally or what's going on? No. Yep. At the early points, you had the Bill and Belinda Gates Foundation. Yeah. Uh, WHO with the operation of something called as GAVI, mm-hmm. sort of the Global Initiative for Vaccine Alliance and everything, they were trying to make sure that they can create sort of like an equality into vaccination globally. Mm-hmm. But as we headed towards the third quarter of the year, yep. they realized that, look, I think we're going to have a surge of vaccines. Yep. We had to put this information of the waning immunity mm-hmm. and start pushing out the vaccines. But at that point, WHO was already saying that, look, there are so many places in the world that they don't have... Not even one dose yet. One dose yet. Technically, you're not offering it to the people who are highly compromised mm-hmm. or have high risk factors in terms of infection. If they get infected, for example, Africa, Central Asia, countries like India, or even Latin America. Yep. But these countries, in fact, like ordered five times full double up the price for the vaccine mm. and got the vaccine. At that point, we were just starting our vaccine program yeah. and we didn't say much. If the whole world is in a pandemic, then it's all our problem. Mm-hmm. Whether an 80-year-old auntie in Africa gets the vaccine in Angola yeah. or one person here in Kuala Krai gets the vaccine, it's the mm. same. We should not give the boosters here. These two individuals have taken two doses. They already developed some form of immunity that equal immunity has to be given mm. to someone out there in the world. But yeah. we didn't. When we had the opportunity to use a lot of funds to buy, we just bought. Yeah, I feel we so decided to go into that stock plugin. So there has to be a lot of equality. That's why WHO in November just said that booster shots is a scandal. <laughs> and he said that booster shot is a scandal yeah. that the WHO doesn't recommend people to get boosters because there are other people out there who hasn't even got their first shot. And some people are already going for fourth and fifth uh, and... Exactly. But I really like your analysis on, at the end of the day, is the block war, you know. It's a political, geopolitical conflict. I mean, we look at the trade, we look at Ukraine, Russia. 
but pandemic is just another theater of war. Biological weapon. Mm. So it's not like just selling. See, even you look into the word biological war, mm. they do not allow that to happen. Yeah. So you have to now change it to an arms war. Mm. Arms war is giving more arms. <laughs> more shots with the arm. More shots. But there will be entirely different discussions exactly. altogether. But Dr. Roland, before we finish today, now we are going into endemic transitional phase. Now we talk about you know, why you even want to call it transitional. 1st of April 2021. Now, can you share with us two or three trends or things that you foresee will happen in the next three to six months? Okay. So if you were following my page, mm-hmm. I think from December, I was closely watching the Omicron update yep. out of Africa. And by the first week of December, we already had our first case of Omicron yep. here. So meaning to say that we are technically into week 13 or 14 that is, with yep. Omicron in our country by March ends. I was predicting really if our Omicron wave starts as early as first two weeks before Chinese New Year, mm-hmm. we will probably go into an endemic phase by early March. Now, we already here already. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that at the moment, the highest peaks are going to be probably this week or next week. Okay. And then, then we're going to dive down because you got to see a few things. One is the transmission is very fast and high. Yep. School holidays are going on at the moment. Started mm-hmm. last week. So it's going to still continue. Yeah. So the numbers are going to be up. The spring heat is already in. Mm-hmm. So people are going to go out there. So that's also one good thing where you have all those flood issues almost settling out now. Mm-hmm. It's going to get more warmer if you go in the next two months. So I kind of predict that the 1st of April is technically we're already going into the downtrend. Really. Yep. So it's right on point. Other things was I told many people that based on the numbers from November, December that the booster shot will shoot themselves. <laughs> and they gave another 30 days to push mm. forward. We also have to factor in that in another three weeks, our Muslim brothers and sisters will be yep, going into Ramadan. So mm. at that point, it's another psychological thing where most of them want to practice a lot of religious... Close contact. Close, I mean, <laughs> close contact is one thing. I mean, the perspective of religion comes much more amplified at this point. Yep. So like... Getting things injected and procedures. I mean, based on my experience, years working, can we not do the procedure in fasting month? I will do it next month. I'll push it. It's Mm -hmm. always like that. Can I wait? I want to fast first. I don't want to think about anything because I want to complete that full fasting month properly Mm -hmm. because I I don't want to get like unnecessary fever, (laughs) cough, have some mild reactions which will actually distort my fasting. So you must understand that as a physician, Mm -hmm. I tell patients, you need to be good in geography, you need to be good in history, you need to be good in science, you need to be good in culture. All of this is important. Mm-hmm. You cannot sit down there at your chair wearing your lab coat or scrub and think, like, look, I went to medical school. No, no. Mm. You have to understand the whole dynamics. You are treating humans. They yep, have emotion, yep. they have culture, they have a lot of this. You're not treating a machine or you're fixing a car. Yeah, correct. It's, it's very, very different. So, I kind of predict that maybe mm. that might even get an extension towards it. So, as you see that they've already been facing out uh, a lot of leeways into the Mysore Jatra, and you know, there's no such thing after the first, in order for one business facility to fully operate, the staff does not need to be fully completed, whatever 
vaccines and changing ones my sejahtera from yellow to white or hmm. pink or purple or bunny color whatever <laughs> duit it doesn't tell you my antibody status hmm. correct because everybody whatever age is it, their antibody position is very different yeah. it's very individual medicine has always been doctor patient discussion in a proper room it's private the patient allows to open he or herself it's out it's a private there. discussion yeah and there's physical examination sometimes that physician it look to be exposing the patient really bad mm-hmm. and right. that is the trust the patient and doctor has among each other and never discuss that is purely confidential Correct. it's not to be discussed with another individual or to spread the kind of information so that element mm-hmm. in this pandemic was stripped off correct correct and, and people seem to accept that some choose mm. because they just want to be sheep mm. sheep but <laughs> don't forget there's also wolves there yeah there will be people who are turning their ground and mm-hmm. saying look we will not kowtow to this we will not follow this this yeah. kind of narrative it did we see the inconsistency of the narrative it's crumbling and we'll watch the lego bricks fall <laughs> lego bricks fall. i like that analogy very interesting and you mentioned about you know the announcement by health minister and prime minister very succinct but vague and that part about there's no restriction to the numbers of staff working so do you take that i mean we discussed earlier but let me just repeat for the benefit of all the listeners do you take that as the government is kind of withdrawing from the mandate from the coercion and things like that but they can't do it they have to do it kind of progressively i think they have to be for them i would say if you were in government you have to be politically right because mm. you are a politician i would not mm. say that you are a scientist here mm-hmm. you are a politician a political so, decision yeah, yeah it's a political decision so you cannot stir the water at the moment because you will disappoint some people because maybe they thought there was the truth at that point yeah and it's easy for like i said like how the cdc just changed the code yeah. from red to orange just overnight yeah. it's, it's like a decision how you change maybe you configure certain blood reports just moving it by one note can turn 20% of the population to be diabetes <laughs> yeah you just change the yeah, outline so, so the same thing so when you pedal the bar up and down it changes so We understand that a lot of decisions, if we see at the moment, are based on Delta, mm-hmm. but done on Omicron. Yeah. We don't know whether they're not meeting enough to have coffee <laughs> and some curry puff to make the decisions fast. Because we see the trend. We yeah. see the trend globally and it's the same virus that we've been exposed to. And we also must understand the environment we're in, we're much more humid, mm-hmm. temperatures are much more higher compared to Europe, who are now coming out, getting to spring. Yeah. totally different game. Mm-hmm. So all of this has to be looked at and we don't want to lose out economically in this position because you're going to allow domestic and also international travel to go you know allow businesses to flourish back allow industries who have been in the heat. Yep, yeah. The economy has started. End of the day economics will prevail over healthcare. Yeah, I think people are clamoring yeah, for, so, for so, that so, already. Like I say like public health had the lack of knowledge of economics here mm-hmm. they were just so driven about let's try and see whether we can achieve covid mm-hmm. zero at the get go yeah yeah it was not logical not her immunity remember yeah exactly <laughs> her immunity all of this and then her immunity cannot be used so this was like the outbluff 
Mm. And then now, the loss of trust is there because at least you would have saved one. Now, you burn both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to take a lot of time to recover. Now, let's end today's show and do you want to give one COVID-19 predictions in year 2022? You know, it can be anything, medicine, politics, even sports. You know, are you a sports fan? Yeah, I am a sports mm. fan actually. Like I said earlier, I think a couple of things that I think I have always said the pandemic was already over already. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, globally. It's just whether every country has its own geopolitical issues. Yep. We here, we see there's a power struggle. Yeah. Right now, as we speak, there's a power struggle going on. Yeah, yeah, it's a Johor election. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of trust deficit mm-hmm. over what's happening. We are having a leadership crisis. Yep. So, in order to go out there and robustly change, like flip the dial mm. and just like off it, it's going to be hard for them. Mm-hmm. Because then they will be audited yeah. of how much stockpile purchase, why over purchase, why didn't the agencies predict all of this. So, yep. I would say pandemic is technically over. It's just that we have to get back past... A slow our, retreat. I mean, you can be cautious, mm-hmm. but you cannot be too slow. You will lose out economically. We will look stupid. I feel this pandemic is already over. It's time to transit. It's time for us to get back to our normal days. Yep. When you see like the signs of wearing masks does not protect you from Omicron, you got to get with the signs. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to wear an N95 and walk around. <laughs> then it's a different story. So the science is there. If you don't want to see it, shame on you. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is leave us alone. <laughs> leave us alone. So do you think we will see the end of mass mandate in 2022? I think yes, you will see. Okay. You will see mass mandate ends in 2022. In Malaysia? It's already happening globally. It's a bit psychological barrier for Malaysia. Of course, yeah. of course. I mean... You can choose to wear a mask. Sure, sure. You can choose to, to wear a clown mask if you want to and walk around. Nobody's going to go against you. But it's your right. I think it's going to be much more of a conscious position. Maybe mm-hmm. we're going to see public even wear masks still. Some of them still mm-hmm. are fear. That's your own right. We never said you cannot wear. But leave us alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't go and charge someone for 100,000 ringgit. All right. And seven years jail for that. My one spot prediction mm-hmm. will be, I believe... Djokovic will play US Open this year and he will win it. Oh, that's a wow kind of sport. La. <laughs> yeah, but do you have any sports prediction for 2022? Uh, Manu is not going to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Apologies to all Manchester United fans. Not going to get no, no. I'm <laughs> not a going to get <laughs> Okay, so that's it for today and we thank you, Dr. Roland. And I know we venture into different things, geopolitical struggle. But we will look forward to getting you back maybe for something other than medicine and COVID-19. Sure. Thank you so much for having me here. So we'll see you soon again. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to listen and hear more about Dr. Roland Victor, do visit his Facebook website, the KL Sky Clinic. He has many live video curated products and many, many more discussions on medical freedoms and the individual choices and responsibilities. Until next time, bye-bye for now.